live from Austin, Texas, this is Diversity Cafe, hosted by me, Angela Hood, CEO and founder of This Way Global. Our podcast features HR tech and recruiting experts that know our industry inside and out. They are the best of the best. Join us and enjoy a cup of your favorite brew and get the insight you need to meet recruiting and diversity challenges head on. Let's get started. Today, as my guest for our podcast, is my friend Torin Ellis, one of my favorite guys. How are you doing? Yeah, so, you know, under normal circumstances, it might not be okay, or it actually might be a little bit risky to say, one of my favorite guys. Okay. Because, you know, you could do the whole, see, we could have that whole pronoun conversation at the very, very top of this exchange. But you know what? You take that with a smile. I'm giving it with the smile. <laughs> you were accurate. I go by he and him whenever I decide to use the whole pronoun yep. thing. But I am wonderful. Top of the new year. Get to be the first guest on the... Ca- I mean, why wouldn't I be in a good place right now? I feel great. Thank you for having me. Well, hey, beginning of a new year... Um, starting off with a podcast that we have wanted to do as a company for several years and have waited and waited. And finally, we said, okay, you know what? Not a lot of people are talking honestly about some of these problems. And I also said, if we're going to do a podcast, we're going to have real people that are okay with difficult conversations. And they're actually trying to solve problems and not just throw out chaff, which I think is what happens a lot of times on podcasts. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I appreciate it, Angela, that you all took the time, gave it some thought and decided and landed on having these types of conversations versus going out and finding actors and actresses that can kind of. Nah, I mean, let's just talk for real. And, And I am rooting for you and everyone in the organization that the podcast takes root and that it grows and goes and impacts in the way that you want it to do. So let's get to it. All right, here we go. We're going to get right off with a very difficult topic. There are so many companies right now that say, not necessarily are doing, but they say they want to bring in more black men and black women into their roles in their company. And then what they do is they have the same challenges that everyone else does because they go out to the same places. They go out to job boards. They go out to their existing network and hope that somehow it's going to bring up new people, new fresh talent. And they also don't understand the statistics. So I'm going to share with you something that you may already know, but it was a surprise for me. And it's one of the reasons why I love having a diverse set of professional network. Okay. HBCUs in many cases have 80% of their student population is women, black women. Roughly 20% is black men. I did not know that. I was shocked by it. I don't understand why it is, but I also understand that this is going to impact employers because if they go out and they think I'm going to bring in equal black men, equal black women, and this, this role that I have, I want to target getting this role filled by HBCU graduates, which a lot of them have this specific target. 
So it's not level playing field inside the university for some reason. So I'd like to get your impact, your thoughts on that. The second part is what does an employer do when they find this information out? How do they approach it? How do they solve their problem? In 2016, my keynote presentation was no fairy dust. In 2017, the keynote presentation was conversation to commitment. In 2018, keynote presentation was everybody wants ice cream. I'll stop right there. Everybody wants ice cream. And, and the reason why I did that is because there was a segment on 60 Minutes about a little white girl and a little black girl that grew up, they were the same age, shared the same birthday, if I'm not mistaken, swore they were twins. Different mother, different father, but they were classmates. They swore they were twins. At the end of that 60-minute segment, the little girls yell out, we're going to get ice cream, and they tell the host of the show, and you're not going to get any. And so I titled the presentation, Everybody Wants Ice Cream, because whether we are black or brown or Asian or Catholic or white man, white woman, LGBTQ, person from a different socioeconomic status, different geography, it doesn't matter where you come from on the spectrum of diversity. You want ice cream or you want pizza or you have to go to a bank or you need to do grocery shopping or you're going to go. You get my point. Oh, yeah. So when I hear the statistic around the HBCUs, no argument, because I'm not a, a data scientist. So I haven't pulled or done the polling and the research to refute or substantiate the data. I'm willing to take it for face value. But the question becomes, how many black men are attending college at one of the other 5,000 universities in the country? 5,000 plus colleges and universities in the country, many of which have black student unions, many of which have sororities and fraternities. And so what I'm suggesting is that rather than try to do what everybody is doing right now, let's just do what we've been doing and not doing good enough. If we're going to go to academic institutions, Let's go to the ones where we know that student body could possibly, you know, uh, contribute to our organization, what it is that we're looking for, whether it be in supply chain or accounting or in sales or in legal, whatever the department is, whatever the role is, let's just recruit fairly. Recruit fairly. I don't think there's a person you could find that would agree with you more than me. But here is where the challenge comes. How do you describe fairly? Good question. And, and I don't want to give the sanitized like EEOC type fairly thing. I, I want to be more human and just simply say, am I trying? Like when I look around in the various business units and departments in an organization, am I trying? Angela, I remember. Uh, this is no exaggeration. It must have been 2011, 2012. And a very large telecom company reached out to me. And this is when I was doing more primarily transactional recruiting. And the company reached out to me. We executed an agreement. 
And I said, okay, well, what list of cities do you want me to focus on to help you with building your inclusive pipelines and putting underrepresented talent in front of your hiring managers? The first city that they listed was Chicago. Now I said to myself, you mean to tell me you can't find black and brown salespeople in Chicago? Like I'm waiting for them to tell me Paducah, Kentucky, you know, some, you know, Omaha, Nebraska. No, the very first city was Chicago. Second city, I believe, was like St. Louis. Third city was someplace here on the East Coast. I can't remember. But all of these cities, Angela, had a high population of corporate clients, professional employees, and large populations of black and brown people and others from a diversity spectrum. So when I say fairly, I'm simply saying, let's just be intentional. Let's right. look around inside of our business units and our departments, who's missing from the organization. And if those individuals are missing, then why don't we be extra intentional around finding them? Which is part of the reason why I have a challenge with time to hire and some of these other superficial facades or metrics that organizations use to measure whether or not a person is being productive. If I'm on the hot seat and I'm being held to some account, like I have to close this rep in, you know, 15 days, 20 days, 30 days, and I haven't done the necessary work of building a relationship at some of these other colleges and universities, not to discount HBCUs. I haven't reached out to very large churches and community groups and organizations. I haven't done a good job of building our brand cachet, our corporate cachet in new communities. If I haven't done that, then the chances of me being able to strike up a relationship or, or conversation relationship, get a person to interview and, and do that all in 30 days, slim to none. And if I know that my bonus, my compensation or something other is tied to that, then what am I going to do? I'm going to go with what's familiar and just simply try to close it because I don't want to lose. I don't want my personal economy impacted. We have to get away from these vanity metrics and allow recruiters and sourcers and hiring managers and people that say they want to do DNI better. We have to give them the room, the space to operate. So, Torin, what you're saying is a stock photo on your careers page is not going to cut it. Absolutely saying that. Right. I love it. And I love the fact that you're bringing up one of my biggest challenges I have is when we are talking to talent acquisition leaders, even the CHROs in some of these Fortune 500 companies, and they say to us, I, I don't have the ability to do what you're saying that we need to do, meaning taking more time and going ahead and interviewing people that you're not sure, uh, do they have the requirements or the capabilities to do this job or not? They don't have time to do it. And the reason why they don't is because it doesn't allow them to hit their metrics. It's wrong. I, that is not intentional. I love that. Okay. So that I cut you off. I wanted you to explain FAIR. Yeah, absolutely. And fair has been explained, but the point being is that we have to absolutely be intentional. What I say, you know, Angela, for all of the work that I'm doing, whether I'm consulting with an organization or speaking to their employees, I try to give them, you know, bite-sized considerations 
that they can put into action immediately. Number one, I say you have to feel empowered. So no matter what your capacity is in the organization, it doesn't matter to me what that capacity is. You need to feel strong enough in your conviction, your presence, that I can raise this as an issue with the people in my business, my line of business, my reporting structure. Hey, listen, we haven't done a good enough job of diversity and inclusion. What are we going to do differently? I may be a bookkeeper, but I'm going to ask the question because I feel that strong about it. Whatever my connection is to the diversity community, whichever community it is, I'm empowered. I feel strong enough. I'm going to raise it as an issue until we have a chorus of people, not just a chief diversity officer, not just a person here, a person there. But until we have a chorus of individuals raising this as an issue of consideration and importance and criticality to how the business is is uh, conducted. And then we'll continue to have these minor conversations around progress. So one, we have to be empowered. Number two, it requires strategic exploration. And I think that every single leader, this is more of a leader thing and not executive leader, but leader. If you are the leader of your talent acquisition team, or if you are leading your recruitment marketing function, or if you are leading your corporate social responsibility or philanthropic efforts, every leader should be saying, where are we? In terms of the organization, you know, is my business unit and my department, are we in continuation phase? Are we in maturation phase? Are we in hyper growth phase? Where are we as a business unit and a department? Because where we are may impact how we put our strategy in place for recruiting, for promoting, for mentoring, for supporting. It may absolutely impact that. I know that it's different to be inside of a hyper growth unit than it is to be in one that's a bit more mature. So I, I know now you've gone into culture. That is what I hear you talking about right now, Torin. You have gone into what is your company culture? Because if you don't have an empowered populace of employees, you're not going to get what you're talking about, where you have a bookkeeper or someone else that's on the manufacturing line that steps up to say, we're not doing it good enough. Is that what you're saying? You're saying this is a cultural like embodiment. I am saying that. And, and for a person out there listening, you may, they may be asking themselves, well, wait a minute, how does that connect to Angela's original question? And it connects because if I'm on the recruiting team, if I'm on the recruitment marketing team, curating messaging that is going out on social media and other platforms. If I am a hiring manager that's going to be conducting this interview that Angela is talking about at an HBCU or other, right? I should be able to tell a complete story of my organization. I should be able to present in that narrative the beauty of working inside of our organization. I shouldn't be relegated to only talk about the role, but the beauty of working inside of said organization. I should be able to talk about the deficiencies in the areas where we excel, where we are optimizing our effort in some other areas where we may be challenged. I should be able to talk about things that we should continue to do. And Lord have mercy, I wish we'd stop doing them in 2022. If I'm confident and I am well-rounded, that's what diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging look like. It's not, I just want to hire a black person. 
it's not I just want to mentor an LGBTQ person. It's not I just want to promote someone with a disability. It's not I just need to make sure that I'm paying all of my women the same. It is making sure that you are operationalizing DEIB in every single way that you are doing business at every single level, in every single business unit, in every single department. That's what it's required. So number one, empowerment. Number two, strategic exploration. And then the third thing that I say, Angela, is tactical execution. Yeah. You got to do it. We can't okay. just keep talking so, about it. We got to do it. Okay. What about if you haven't actually been empowered by your company, you don't have enough people on your team, you don't have the right technology, you don't have a budget to bring a, a consultant in or someone to help you lay out the strategy, how can you ever get to the tactical level? Go join another organization. <laughs> okay, so this brings up a good point. We had a record number of recruiter jobs that came out last week, I believe. Almost 5,000 open jobs. Do you think that is because people are hearing exactly what you just said and you think that they are leaving? Sure, in some part it is. But again, if I'm if I'm if I'm going off of the data and the data hasn't really changed since I left corporate America. And this is I've seen this over and over and over again. When I left in 98, it was a book that came out that said the number one reason people are leaving is because of a lack of recognition. Jim Compensation was like number three on the list. That was in 1998. I'm willing to submit that even in 2021 and 2022, people that are leaving in the recruiting space or in other spaces, probably a lack of recognition or a lack of appreciation, not willing to necessarily deal with some of the challenges that we're dealing with, perhaps fed up with the fact that their organization is not giving them the resources and the support, the development, the inspiration, the motivation that they require. I'm an incredible leader. Even though I haven't been inside of corporate America, I'm an incredible leader. Why? Because I understand the frequency of humanity. I know what it takes to find that button inside of people and to be able to turn that button on and say, listen, I know we can do more. And if you lean on me, keep leaning on me and making sure that I'm deposited in, I know what it takes to build high-performing teams, which is the reason why my consulting business works the way that it works, because we focus on people. So I can't say that folks have all left because of a lack of being empowered, but I would absolutely say when you go down that checklist that you just went down, no empowerment, no resources, no technology, no support, leaders. I mean, if you're going down a list like that, at some point you could get up and say to yourself, wait a minute, I'm not even singing a song on Monday morning. I don't feel good in the shower about going into this particular workplace. Like, I want to feel good. I want to sing. Even if I can't sing, I want to be in the shower singing at 536 in the morning that I need to go to the office. I want to be in the shower singing, even though I'm getting dressed to simply walk 30 feet to a computer so we can do virtual and work remote. I want to be happy about the work that I'm doing. And I absolutely believe that that plays a role. So at some point, you're going to say to yourself, this checklist of negatives is a little too long. I'm going to, you know, take my talent to another organization and we're going to figure out if we can build something remarkable there. And that's what I think organizations, I, I think every single person should have that as an option. That's outstanding. So, Torin, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. The 
knowledge that you have dropped today gives people some thought. Uh, are you going to stay in the same job that you're doing? Are you going to reach out and reach up into your organization and say, we can do better? Uh, and I love the actual actionable steps that you shared, because I think there's not enough of that. That's part of the reason why I think people are frozen. They don't know what to do. So love you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Angela, you know, I appreciate you allowing me to kick off the very first episode. Real quick, before we get out, how did you all land on a name for the podcast? So Diverse Cafe, we talked about this. We're like, what are people missing right now? It's that union that people used to have where they'd sit around and have a cup of coffee and they'd talk about whatever the challenge was. And a lot of times that happened in a cafe, whether it be in the corporate cafe or in a Starbucks or wherever. It was over a cup of coffee or a pot of tea. And I said, let's enable people to still have that, but let's do it through a podcast with people that are experts in the field. Yeah, let's see if we can find us a coffee or tea sponsor, like one of them up and coming coffee or tea sponsors that would, you know, get behind Diversity Cafe. I like that idea. Okay, make sure you have me back. All right. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Diversity Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see the growth of fair recruiting, please share it with others, post it on social media, and leave a nice review. To stay caught up on all the latest, follow This Way Global on Facebook, LinkedIn, or at thiswayglobal.com. Oh, and if you'd like to receive our secret tips from top performing job descriptions, click the link so we can send it to you right away. Thank you.